Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Shang Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. I also contribute to NBC Sharks. And you can find me on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. I'm a writer at San Jose Hockey Now. You can find me at uh, Twitter at Halfwall underscore Hockey. I'm also the owner of HalfwallHockey.com if you ever want to check out some uh, hockey writing there. I spent the last week on beautiful Lake Champlain, which is what every good oh. hockey writer should do if they are um, finding themselves uh, trying to get some inspiration in a very slow off season. Yeah, uh, I'm not the regular hockey writer, and unfortunately, I don't have a cottage like uh, like everybody else does. <laughs> gotta get a you gotta get a cottage in the middle of nowhere, or else um you know <laughs> you're gonna yeah, be yeah. Uh, burning up. Actually, it's, it's how hot it's been. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, luckily, though, I live in San Francisco. This is actually the main reason why I don't live in San Jose. Uh, today, I was able to take a hike uh, in the evening in 55-degree uh, weather in the fog in uh, Pacifica, which is a uh, beach town right south of San Francisco. Wow. Uh, amazing. It's the hottest <laughs> week on record. Um, and yep. It might have been the uh, coldest week. This is a good transition. The coldest week for Sharks news in a, a little a little while, at least. Mm -hmm. um, we have a few things to talk about tonight. Um, but uh, we're going to start off with uh, letting you know that we have uh, later on tonight a um, Nico Sturm interview, um, mm -hmm. basically where he talks about his recent silver, silver medal win uh, at the World Championships and uh, a little bit about the Sharks' tough season. Um, yeah, and then also, talk. too, uh, mm -hmm. uh, talked with Nico, too, a little later about uh, uh, Leon G Gavanka. And so I have, a, have a, a couple of thoughts from Nico about uh, Leon, his uh, Team Germany teammate, uh, coming up a, a little bit later. Yeah, and uh, we got the we got the pronunciation on point this time. It's Gavanka. <laughs> I think we're going to slide right through to the season on that one. This week, we also have some Eric Carlson, won't call it news, but some speculation to um, keep us going through these these off-season weeks. Keep us um, warm, right? Because uh, it's not a, <laughs> never a cold news day if there's Eric uh, Eric Carlson report. Exactly. And it's not hot enough here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have two shark signings uh, to talk about uh, this week. And all of that and more this week on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. So, Shang, let's start with. Eric Carlson. You might have heard of him. You might know him. Um, the uh, much talked about uh, trade target for this summer. Where are we in a trade with Eric Carlson? Well, uh, it depends on, I guess, uh, 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 who you talk to. But the most recent sort of uh, report or more recent one, uh, Frank Saravalli uh, talked on, uh, I think, uh, Toronto Radio. And... He kind of uh, he is pessimistic about a Carlson deal even happening, and so I think for a while we sort of assumed that a deal was going to happen. And the way he's talking, well, maybe it won't happen. And it, what he said exactly, and I wrote about it in a recent story on San Jose Hockey Now about uh, Carlson's preference being uh, perhaps Pittsburgh, but mm -hmm. uh, there's you know questions about what our deal will even be done. Uh, but what Frank said on the radio was essentially that Carlson wants to trade, the Sharks want to move him, but um, it's not sure that that's going to happen. And the main reason is because the Sharks are still asking for a lot, asking for a lot at just 20% retained. 
Mm-hmm. And 20% retained with Carlson uh, turns his 11.5 million AAV into about 9.5 million AAV. Sure. And Frank said that he has real doubts as to whether or not that's going to change. And he thinks that that, that teams have a lot of th- doubts about that too. Um, Elliot Freeman has said something different, I think, a couple of days before that, saying that... Uh, the more the Sharks retain, he thinks that that as long as the offers it like improve drastically, mm-hmm. that um, that uh, that uh, it, or if the offers improve drastically, then 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 the Sharks will retain more. Uh, but anyway, so that's that's so we're kind of in sort of a, a standstill, you know. I think uh, you know uh, I think a, a couple or a week ago or so, I wrote a story about sort of you know already kind of in a game of chicken now, kind of seeing what the sharks are retaining, <laughs> like going to make a move, right? Kind yeah. of right. Um, yeah. And so you know that's kind of where it appears that we're kind of at. Uh, just for example, though, going further with uh, what Frank said, uh, Frank suggested that. Um, Right now, the Sharks at where they're at, um, retaining at 20%, that Pittsburgh was kind of like, well, we'll take them like, just for that money, you know, uh, <laughs> sure. But yeah. we're not going to give you much back. You know, we don't have much to give in the first place, but true. You know, but, but we, we can't, you know, yeah, we can't afford to give you much anyway. But what we can do for you is just take Carlson off your hands and you can retain a, a minimal amount, which, you know, Sounds at first like, oh, you want the 2023 Norris Trophy winner for, you know, f- wait, for Nothing. free? And yeah. all you want us to retain, you know, $2 million a year? Yeah, you want them on a bargain. And also yeah. we have to keep that that 20%. That doesn't really, like, sit well with, I'm sure, Mike Greer or with... But your- on the other hand, though, at this mm-hmm. time last year, if a team went up to the Sharks and said, we'll take Carlson off your hands, at that point it was five years left at $9.5 million and and Sharks retained $2 million, and we'll take them off your hands for nothing. They might have said yes. Oh, they, they would have said yes. I, I bet. I <laughs> so, bet. <laughs> yeah. So in no. <laughs> you, I think that's, that's kind of a big issue with basically the timeline here is that we we're going to keep going through these summer weeks. Right. And the closer we get to training camp, the closer we get to the season. Mm-hmm. If Eric Carlson does not perform like if he plays for the sharks, he doesn't perform like he did last year. We're stuck in an even worse situation. Or he gets hurt again. Or he gets hurt. He is completely untradeable. And I think, you know, all the GMs in the league are pretty smart. They know that too. And mm-hmm. they know that they might just be able to wait it out. And I think you had a point last week that we talked about the the bidding war is really the important thing. Like with Timo, it was, we had these few teams that were trying to compete and they got into like a mini bidding war, but it didn't really drive enough. Up, Escalate. Right? Yeah. And the yeah. teams in it didn't have a lot to offer besides New Jersey. didn't have a, a lot to offer. So now we're getting into a situation where it seems like there's two front runners, Right. And um, if they don't start kind of like outbidding each other or something getting like kind of close with one team, they might just wait, you know, all the other GMs out. Like they might just right, right. push it out. Just two teams bidding isn't enough. Uh, Frank mm-hmm. did suggest that uh, a number of teams have talked with Eric Carlson directly. So more than two. But sure. in terms of teams that have act- shown actual trade interest, we only know of two. If it remains at two, and I'm, we'll talk about this a little later. A little later, we're going to talk about uh, 
Keegan and I, we, we, we both had Eric Carlson trade proposal stories. So we're going to kind of get into that and critique each other's uh, uh, proposals. But mm-hmm. anyway, though, um, in, in my Carolina Hurricanes proposal story, um, I talked with, 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 with a source and the source suggested to me that the Hurricanes are just sort of, you know, hanging around waiting for, you know, waiting for bargaining to happen. They don't, they don't necessarily, Carlson's not plan A for them, you know, maybe for Pittsburgh, sure. Carlson's plan A, but for Carolina, maybe he isn't. And so if they can't get him at a bargain price, like they got Brent Burns last year, that they're not going to be in it much longer. And if that is the case, then that leaves one team interested in Carlson uh, at the moment. And uh, that obviously doesn't uh, portend well for uh, Carlson's return. On the other yeah. hand, though, and people will say this, like, we don't know uh, if how much our market opens up if the Sharks retain a lot more. Uh, you know, in my it's stories I've been writing, I've suggested 40%. Um, would, would it open up the market a lot more? I, you know, people online seem convinced that it will. I don't know that for sure. But sure. Um, it's still a risk yeah. and you still have to move pieces around even at, mm-hmm. you know, unless it is true 50%. And, and right, then, right getting in $5.75 million is a lot at this point when you've already signed all your free agents and you're kind of gearing up towards, you know, training camp. Um, I want to add too. Yeah. And I mentioned this, I think on the first podcast, like Mm -hmm. any team would take a chance on Eric or would try to at least take a chance at Eric Carlson. If it was four years uh, and his AAV was say 7 million, I think any team would consider that. But the question isn't just a team taking on that contract, right? It's also like, okay, uh, take on that contract with the risk involved, right, with Carlson. And also, too, the Sharks mm-hmm. want a first-round pick and a great B prospect and this and that, right? True. And that's where teams are like, well, you know, mm-hmm. we, we will take the risk, but we don't want to give you stuff or we don't want to give you as much as you want, right? And so that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a big part of it. So when people assume that the Sharks retain more, that's automatically going to open up the floodgates of a trade. It'll help for sure, but you know I'm not convinced that necessarily is going to be floodgates. Now I got a question because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have asked this question, and I have like some theories or why they don't want to do it. And, and Mike Greer also said why um, mm-hmm. they don't want to do it. But why do you think the Sharks don't want to retain more? And they Greer has mentioned it. He says it's it's Hasso's money, and it yeah. might be uh, related to a Hasso Platner, the Sharks owner decision, rather than. Um, like a Mike Greer decision. Do you think that's right. like end-all be-all? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I can see that to, to some degree. I mean, uh, Elliot Freeman reported, and I wrote about that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Mike Greer told you know told me, it was actually off of my question. I asked about uh, uh, what Hasso's involvement it was in, in this. I think it was before the draft. And yeah. uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, um, you know, Hasso basically, basically, I'm sorry, Mike said that in terms of, you know, retaining half or whatever. He just said, that's a lot of money and it, it's Hasso's money. <laughs> <laughs> and Elliot Freeman said the same thing. And El- and Elliot added that um, the, you know, Hasso is more involved than usual in, in this. Mm-hmm. Now I would mm-hmm. say in that same story, Elliot Freeman or that podcast uh, that, that Elliot was talking about it, that I wrote a story about Elliot said very clearly though, that, that that the sharks do understand that the more they retain, the more that they get. True. But um, I don't know if it's one of those things where, like, if the sharks retain, say, a forty percent, if they won't go up to fifty percent, that has to be a real knockout deal. Whereas mm-hmm. teams are willing to, you know, 
give what they think is a fair deal, which is, you know, the, my, my proposals and your proposal, I think is more, are more along those lines uh, instead of like a knockout proposal. So, yeah. And I think we'll, we'll get to our proposals in a minute, but it Mm -hmm. feels like if the sharks don't want to retain a ton of money um, and the only way to make these deals work is to kind of finagle the cap in a certain way um, that there's going to be a few things that might have to happen. And and that means either taking on a contract that is not so valuable in the NHL currently or finding out a different team to get involved in this trade. So Yeah, well, we'll talk about that too. Like uh, um, after we critique each other's trade proposals, we're also going to mm-hmm. talk about the third team. <laughs> yeah, and what uh, uh, what that thir- what that third team might be, who that third team might be, and sure. sort of uh, 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 deals ar- around that. But so let's start with um, our trade proposals. So yes. the two teams are Pittsburgh and Carolina, which are leading mm-hmm. the pack for for Eric Carlson. I had put out a story this week on just what I thought might might be getting enough from both sides to say mm-hmm. yes to. Um, essentially, the the trade that I outlined. Do you want to read it off, Shang, if you've got it in front sure. of you? Sure. Um, it's uh, Eric Carlson to Pittsburgh, uh, two million retained with uh, Jacob McDonald. Jacob McDonald's there because Jacob McDonald is kind of like your. Can fit him in anywhere, literally all positions except for sure, goalie. Sure, <laughs> and he's yeah. just kind of maybe, a, a man, maybe he can play that. Yeah, we we don't yeah. know. Um, mm-hmm. and to San Jose, um, you have uh, in this is alpha, well, uh, yeah, alphabetical yeah, order, uh, uh, Corey uh, Andonovsky. Yep, kind of like an AHL guy. Um, yeah, yeah, it looks like a, just sort of a, a fodder kind of. I don't, does he mm-hmm. even have an AHL contract? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay, so it'll just be uh, getting a contract off, probably, uh, mm-hmm. off the books there. Um, Joe uh, Blomquist, the uh, goalie. Yep. Uh, Mikhail Granlin, who has two years left at $5 million. Yep. Uh, Emil, uh, uh, what do you say? Yarventi. Emil Yarventi. Um, he was the seventh round uh, pick for this year. Right, for right, the, right. Uh, yeah, Penguins. Uh, Jeff Petrie, who's got two years left at, I think, $6.25 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen Pickering, who was uh, Pittsburgh's first-round pick last year. And a 2024 first, uh, 2024 fourth, and uh, 2025 second. Yes. So I think my reasoning behind it essentially is this. The Sharks want to stay at $2 million retained or so. Um it seems like the only way that's going to happen, and even uh, Frank mentioned it, hey, we'll take him for free. The only way that the Sharks are going to get anything really back is to also take back stuff that the other team doesn't want, right? Right. Cal Granlund seems to be um, somebody that the the Pittsburgh uh, might want to move. And, right. And then trade. Granlund and Petrie. Yeah, he's making $5 million times two years. Petrie's making six, something like that. Yeah, 6.25, I believe, yeah. And he is, production's on the decline. He's also a little bit older. He he would basically be replaced by Eric Carlson anyways on their team. Mm -hmm. So essentially, the only way that I think the Sharks can get that first, second round pick that they're going to want from this kind of trade um, is if they take back some contracts. Um, What they do with them, and then there's some uh, problems with basically how they get um those contracts because of uh petri having a no, a no trade clause essentially 
it's a 15 team no trade clause mm-hmm. so whether or not the sharks are on there the world may never know um but uh, it might be that the sharks are not on there and he's free and clear to be traded Granlin doesn't have any trade protection so he is um, able to be traded without any kind of issues there but my thoughts are basically if we're trying to get value for this this might be the only way for the sharks to do it um is well, to take any, any way without retaining much yeah without retention yeah. and i think the key there is you're not retaining for those four years you're essentially retaining for the two that you're mm-hmm. taking on petri and granland who you might be able to flip anyways um for future assets yeah in the second year of, of those deals maybe yeah for sure yeah but what do you think? Yeah. So um, I think uh, that the sort of if we tie in the first round pick with Petrie and the uh, first round pick for Granlin, that's not unfair for, for that amount of a, a salary commitment. Um, mm-hmm. The other stuff I, I, I might like kind of argue with because then, okay, let's say you associate the first with, with, with uh, the first and Pickering basically two first, you know, uh, with Petrie and sure. Granlin. And so then the rest of it is kind of for Carlson and the 2 million retained. That's a bit rich. I would say a second round pick and uh, Blomquist was a pretty good goalie, pretty good goalie yep. prospect, not a great one, but you know, a legit one. Um, for basically Carlson and McDonald, right? So I think that might be a little bit rich. And again, Andonovsky is just a throw-in. Uh, Yarventi, I, I, even though he's just a seven-round pick, teams usually don't trade guys that they literally just drafted, you know, two weeks ago. Sure. Um, so I do find that a little unlikely too. But you can find a similar, like maybe Pittsburgh seven-round pick last year, you know. That, yeah, that yeah, it's kind of just like an extra there. prospect pick, you know. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I put them in as more like filler placeholder guys. That I right, right, good. right. But just you know, when a team drafts a guy, they want to see him for a year, right? So before <laughs> yeah, they decide, times. like you know, for sure. to kick him to the curb. Um, so I, I think though, my question with with this though is that I think it's it's close to fair. Uh, I think like maybe you take out the the second round pick or turn it to a third or or whatever, right? Something like that, right? Uh, I think the value seems pretty fair. But I do question, too, because Pittsburgh uh, really doesn't have a lot to trade, right? Um, they, their two best prospects right now are Pickering and um, Jaeger, uh, who they just drafted. They drafted it, yeah. you know, this, this, this past draft, they're not going to trade Jaeger off. They just drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those are their only two, like, sort of, I think, those are their only two, like, uh, like sort of top 150 prospects, sure. you know, in, in the Joseph, world kind of guys. But Joseph, mm-hmm. kind of a Joseph's a little a bit older, older, though, right? I'm not sure what his ceiling 22. is. I think he's 22, 23, but I think mm-hmm. Pittsburgh might want to keep him just because he's um, coming into his own. He's on his right. ELC, so he's cheap, and and basically they they're going to need him to compete if they want him mm-hmm. uh, with Carlson, anyways. So I don't know if he's going to be the one to put into a trade. Maybe, but possibly not. Mm, mm. yeah so so yeah like you mentioned yeah um the fact that he's on an elc i don't i don't know what his ceiling is exactly though also too mm-hmm. because from what i've understood about him he hasn't really quite lived up to his sort of his draft position draft billing and maybe sure. he is sort of now but does that mean that he is like a bottom pairing ish defenseman okay yeah. you know or it, you know does he have actual top four potential like like pickering you know i think is seen seen to have at least at the moment um, so yeah. that would be the one thing that I, I, I would, I would, I would say that like, I'm not sure that, I think um, in the world of prospects, I don't think Pickering is like 
you know, Kevin Korchinski or like. Oh no, no, no! I'm not. I'm not suggesting that. But like, but he's just kind of like only one that Pittsburgh really. They have. They have two legit, legit prospects that like teams would ask about probably right now. Right. Yeager proposals out the window. Yeah, yeah. So it's that. I guess what I'm saying, like, I like Pickering is probably like. You know, like, uh, you know, he may not even be a top 100 prospect. You know, he's, he's probably in the in the group of like Scott Morrow, Carolina. Right. Like, uh, you know, who sure. was kind of debated about um, uh, during the Timo Meyer stuff. Right. Yeah. So in, in that range. Right. Like so he would be kind of like a like B minus prospect, like compared to like Mukumadulin, who's a strong, strong B. Right. Something yeah. Like B, that, B right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so I'm not trying to suggest Pickering is like a huge deal, but like when you have mm-hmm. nobody, um, yeah. then, uh, yeah, like, like that kind of, you know, there's a little more shine for the guys you actually have and you're a little more low to trade them, especially when you're just basically adding them as a salary dump too, along, you know, Granlin and, and Petrie. Right. And so what is basically two Pittsburgh trading two first to, to dump the the salary um that sounds like that that could be sort of like well you know a little bit a little bit rich for them but, yeah, but they're also getting a norris trophy winner on the back end of it so sure sure yeah, yeah. no i i i don't i don't question that and i think dubas does like oh we we, we know that dubas likes carlson a lot and that yeah. unlike you know i mentioned carolina like um uh you know, Carlson uh, is. It looks like a plan. You know, their their plan A. Unlike with the Hurricanes, which I don't feel like Carlson is necessarily their plan A. Um, mm. So yeah, so 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 that 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 might put it over to the the, the the top. But again, though, you know, like a first and you know, arguably your best prospect or second best your prospect, certainly your best defensive prospect, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 it's that's pretty- that's what I wonder about. It's pretty rich. I think it would have to be where they get to a point that they just really need to get this deal done because of the the length of time that it's been mm-hmm. and um that they've already committed to these kind of talks, right? So sure. if somehow Mike Gear can kind of get into this conversation because it can, sounds like they don't want to trade him for nothing and the only offers out there are literally nothing. nothing. So <laughs> it's going to be kind of like like Mark Andre Fleury, right? Yeah, <laughs> he got sure. traded from Vegas to think, what Chicago. <laughs> I don't think they want to do that. I think somehow they're going to have to get creative and taking on some bad contracts to get some draft capital or get some prospect capital back. Right, Just right, and maybe that will be more palatable for Hassel because at least you're getting players in Granlin and Petrie who are. NHL players who can bounce back and be of some value, you know, with more playing time and more trust and more rope and whatever, you know, Granlin would, uh, well, he would be a top winger for, for the Sharks, not the top winger, but he'd be up there if he played wing and at center, you know, he'd actually be, uh, you know, a pretty good uh, three C still, you know, I mean, he's, he's not a guy who's completely fallen off and uh, Petrie has fallen off a bit, but um, you know, Petrie used to be a uh, you know very legitimate like number two defenseman, a very, very yeah. good defenseman. And yeah. so if he finds, you know, uh, a little bit of that game, um, then he's very movable in the second year. If he's, you know, playing a, a high level of hockey in the second year of his contract, expiring contract, um, yeah, right-handed defenseman, uh, you know, plays 20 minutes a night. If he's doing that well, yeah, he's very movable. So did you have a specific pittsburgh proposal 
Yeah, I did. Um, so my Pittsburgh proposal and oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, no thanks to to some of uh, the the cloud chasers who turned my proposal into. They claim that it was a real offer that 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 was on the table. So oh, I'm not no. gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> say the names of any of those uh, Instagram or or Twitter sites. Uh, but uh, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, that I'm gonna say though that that takes the fun out of coming up with like good proposals because uh, then um, yeah, we gotta like put a big warning up on all of this stuff. Oh, I did. I well, yeah, I did with my article. My article <laughs> For sure. the first the, the title is speculation. That's that's a, yeah. That, that's yeah. the yeah. That's that's the that's the title. Speculation. What's a reasonable Carlson and Penguins trade? And multiple times within the article, uh, actually, right before I say the pro the proposal, I I say, keep in mind, this is just pure <laughs> speculation. We're not gonna a say report. it again. It's not, it a, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's uh, not for a lack of writing on my part. Sure. Um, no, it's no, not. Sure. It's, and it's not for a lack of reading comprehension by the people who are stealing it. It's just yeah. you know they're just trying to chase clout. And hey, this looks reasonable. And this is thought. And this was you know like concocted or dreamt up by uh, mm -hmm. uh, actual beat writer around the team. And he did vet it with 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 people too. You know like NHL scouts, executive, whatever. Right. Um, sure. So like. Yeah, so this this seems legit. I'm gonna put this out there, you know. And um, I actually to go to go on with sort of this aside or or whatever. Like uh, this reminds me of uh, sort of like the um, I I had an article um, about a month ago, right, about Will Smith before the Sharks drafted him, and yeah. the the title of the, of the article uh, very clearly I thought. But you know, maybe not for some people. Uh, but uh, the the title of the article was uh, um, it was from it was a source uh, because I had a source at the draft combine that was uh, telling me some interesting stuff, mm -hmm. and he told me that uh, well, the title of the article is uh, uh, "Source uh, Sharks Leaning Towards Smith at Number Four?" Question mark. Question mark. I'm gonna repeat again. Question mark. And I Not saw, um, I saw again the same kind of people, you know, cloud chasers, aggregate. And look, if you want to steal my stuff, I mean, that's that's okay. And you know, one of them that took it did credit me, so that's that's fine, you know. But what he wrote was what he put up was sharks leaning towards Smith at number four without that question mark, and that that changes it. that changes it. <laughs> yeah, that <can laughs> right. That changes materially what 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 mm -hmm. I'm saying, right? Like, and so. Anyway, um, like what the scout, uh, I'm sorry, what the source told me uh, um, at the draft combine, he said, and I quote uh, uh, from my source, rumor is Will Smith is flying to San Jose for a tour. He sounds like the Sharks guy. Now, I debunked that rumor myself within a, mm -hmm. within a week, uh, you know, that Will Smith was indeed not flying to San Jose for a tour, you know, like, uh, you know, the two weeks before the draft, he didn't. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I also noted in the story that I wrote about that, that that doesn't mean that he's not the sharks, you know, like that sharks don't like him, you know, like I was fairly certain that, that the sharks liked him. Mm -hmm. And in the same story, too, I'll mention, too, that my source, he's the one that uh, told me that the Mont Montreal was actually, in, uh, uh, from what he had heard at the Combine, that Montreal was interested in Reinbacher or Leonard. And um, mm -hmm. that, 
Yeah, like 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 they ended up drafting Reinbacher, of course, right? True. And that tidbit he told me was, you know, a, a day before anyone else had it that Montreal was interested in Reinbacher or or Leonard. I I believe it was. I know the Athletic had a story the next day, Athletic Montreal, <laughs> and same information. But yeah, I but uh, but but anyway, I had I had it on a day. But the point was that. Uh, a couple of the points is that the information was was good from 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 my source, obviously, right? Uh, but things change, you know. When 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 I when I write it though, right? Like I try to be very careful because it's a source telling me this, but it's not like you know you know big reveal. You know, it wasn't my career telling me the Sharks were leaning towards Smith at number four. Yeah. Uh, big reveal. It's, it wasn't Kent Hughes telling me that the Canadians were thinking about Ryan Bacher or or uh, or Leonard, yeah. right? No, there's and, still some speculation here for sure. Yeah, yeah. It it was informed, informed speculation. Yeah. A person that was at the combine, like you know. A person who's connected, et cetera, et cetera, right? It yeah, was not yeah. just any, 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 any person who's just attending the combine. It it wasn't like a writer, you know, uh, or <laughs> anything like that, right? It was, uh, you know, it was somebody who 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 works in the hockey hockey ops industry, et cetera, you know, in, in that in that realm, right? And yeah. so anyway, so 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 so. To see though that that reporting and that very key like question, you know, sharks leaning towards Smith at number four, it, it's a still a question though. That's the point, you know. Like I, yeah. I believe These that's the case. Yeah, I believe yeah. that's the case, but um, yeah. And so anyway, it, it, to me, uh, going back to the Carlson trade proposal and and, and and that kind of stuff for people to 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 jump to reporting trying to report that that was an actual um uh, act an actual trade that was on the table um yeah mm -hmm. it, it's it, it's it's frustrating so but I can't wait for the article about this podcast where somebody has said you know san jose sharks beat writer says that the the penguins are going to trade Owen pickering a first and a second right <laughs> basically <laughs> um but no i think I think it should just be all with a big grain of salt for this this conversation specifically. Yeah, Some yeah, yeah. When we're when we're trying to tell you actual sourced information, we we definitely will. Um, we but will for, say, yeah, yeah. But for now, I think we're we're clearly in proposal land. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so anyway, um, okay. So my proposal was uh, Eric Carlson. A lot more retention though than the Sharks have shown to be willing to, but it might be sure. what they need to get to though. Um, Eric Carlson and the Sharks retain 40% of the remaining four years of his contract. That's $4.5 million per season. Mm -hmm. And to the Sharks would go uh, Jeff Petrie. And once again, uh, uh, two years left at $6.25 million. Uh, yep. Penguins 2024 first round pick, top five protected. Okay. Uh, Ty Smith who was a pretty good defensive prospect with the Devils a couple of years ago and was seventh in the Calder voting, I think, in the COVID year, 2020-21. Yep. Uh, but he's fallen off a bit and uh, couldn't quite crack the Penguins lineup last year, spent most of last year in Wilkes-Barre. Had a very rough year. Had a rough year, but he uh, is the the uh, type that the Sharks need, too. You know, they're missing mm -hmm. somebody to run their power play. He's young. Um, so, you know, may, you know, so, so he's sort of a reclamation project, but you know, sure. was a first round pick. 
Sam uh, Sam Poulin too, another former first round pick, 2019 first round pick, and he's really a bit of a more long shot. You know, unlike Ty Smith, who has good uh, who has good tape with the Devils, right? Maybe not so much for the Penguins. Uh, Sam Poulin has been a slow developing, um, yeah. probably not going to reach sort of the the potential that that uh, that he had when the Pens drafted him. I think 21st or something like that in 2019, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, you know, maybe there's an angel player in there still, uh, maybe. And anyway, the last part of the deal is a Penguins 2025th second round pick that would upgrade to a first round pick if essentially the Pittsburgh wins the 2024 or 2025 Stanley Cup and Carlson plays half of the playoff games in the championship winning run. And okay. just the basic reasoning of it, or just the way I saw this, is that the 2024 first round pick was basically the Sharks' uh, reward uh, for taking on Jeff Petrie and his contract. Yeah, and the first for for first for dump swap. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And um, then the rest of the deal is is basically a, kind of a souped up version of of what the Sharks got for Brent Burns. And if you recall, uh, for Brent Burns, the Sharks uh, retained 34%, 2.7 million uh, per year. And they got back a fourth line forward, Stephen Lawrence. They got back a, you know, a goalie prospect that they like, but has had some injury troubles in uh, Etu Makiniemi and sure. a third, a third round pick. And so definitely, uh, Penguin second round pick that could upgrade to a first if and if I'm sure the Penguins won't mind giving up a first if Carlson leads them to the Stanley Cup um, <laughs> um, you know that's definitely an upgrade on the third and I think Ty Smith and his upside uh, sure. is 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 probably an upgrade or is an upgrade I think on uh, Lawrence and Makiniemi and you know Pullen's just sort of sort of in there you can you know I think he's a little interchangeable uh, sure. but yeah uh, so anyway that's the basic reasoning of that I like the I like the first for Granlin thing. I think that that kind of Petrie. I'm sorry, first for Petrie. I like yeah. that portion of it, and I like the um, uh, the Ty Smith reclamation project thing because that is something that organizations typically do in this kind of thing. Is they they try and get you know the guy that's struggling that needs a new home, a new mm-hmm. home. Uh, you know whether or not that's from their own goodwill or or, or not, or just basically like this guy still has value. Let's try and sell him kind of thing. Right. But it does happen a lot, so it's realistic in that aspect because it, you know, is very frequently done. Um, I think that the I think the amount retained is still a lot, and I think sure. that the Car- the Carolina deal that you had is similar retention, right? It's um, it's thirty four percent. It's a lot less money, obviously, because sure. Burns's contract is smaller. Again, it was thirty four percent at two point seven uh, yeah. million AAV retention a year. Yeah, and that's it, close it just, though. It's close, and um, it's possible that they get to that number. Uh, but I feel like Carlson at seven million is, is worth more, and I and I worry that um, I'm not worried, but I, I just feel like it would be a little underwhelming from a Sharks fan perspective. But I get the the reasons why it would happen. I'm not convinced other teams think so though, because like I mentioned, like yeah, yeah. the contract's great, seven seven million, right? That's why you're getting like a possible first and like a decentish prospect uh, in Ty Smith. Yeah. Uh, but you know, with all the risk though involved with Carlson, what I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so convinced that um, 
teams really consider it a value. A, a line of yeah yeah because again you know like yeah. and I, I use this example in the next proposal we're going to talk about this story i wrote about the hurricanes and and my proposal there right like um Yes, Eric Carlson had a season for the ages. He had arguably just as good, as good a season relative to his peers, you know, his defensive peers as Connor McDavid had this year, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very quickly, let's look at what Connor McDavid has done the last seven years. Last seven years, he's been a top five hard finalist every single year. Yeah. Uh, he has won uh, three MVP trophies the last seven in, in the last seven years, and he's only missed 13 regular season games in the last seven years. And he's also just 26. So hmm. Carlson, you know, don't need to, I'm not trying to, to take down Carlson, but the reality of it is that he is a huge risk. I don't care how good he was last year. Yep. Um, and it's not a matter of like, I don't care. Like it's an emotional thing. It's, I don't, the teams don't care. You know, that's yep. a huge risk uh, 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 with them because Carlson's much older, has a far more significant injury history. And sure. perhaps most importantly, I mean, all those things are really important, uh, just hasn't been consistent, you know, the last seven years. You know, so using that seven-year timeline, so Carlson has had two top five Norris's uh, Norris finishes in the last seven years. The first one was the first year of the seven, 2017, and then the the last one was obviously this past year. In between, though, there were uh, there was a top 15 finish, there was a top 12 finish, and then there was three years where he wasn't even close. Yeah. And so this is not the same sort of uh, reliability, right, that mm-hmm. um, that uh, Connor McDavid has. And even, you know, I use the Brent Burns example, right? Like, and I've said this many times, too, so I'm kind of repeating myself, but, like, yes, you know, Burns was four years older than Carlson. Yes, Burns was coming off a good season with the Sharks in 2021-22, but certainly not a Norris Trophy caliber season. Yeah, yeah. Right? But on the other hand, though, Burns has not missed the game since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So things kind of balance each other out, you know what I mean? So, like, in, yeah, you know, when you trade for Burns, Brent Burns, can, you're not – go ahead. Burns, starfishing aside, can um, play some, like, decent defense. <laughs> well, you know, Carlson, I think, used to be able to play better or used yeah. to play better defense, too. Like, I think he's just in San Jose and the uh, off, in Ottawa. But I think he just got a little older. Yeah, it's just a little bit yeah. of a trade-off with his body and what his body can do. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, Burns, I think, yeah, is better defensively than Carlson right now, too, even after this, you know, past season, Nor- uh, Carlson winning the Norris. But yeah, mm-hmm. Burns basically, like, as long as he doesn't fall off the aging curve, which obviously is very possible when a guy is 37 and that, sure. you know, that's a... That was a very reasonable fear for teams uh, uh, last summer trading for Burns. But as long as he doesn't do that, uh, you know, again, always, you know, always been healthy. Um, good, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, yeah, just, you kind of just, just like had a better feeling for what you're going to get from Burns probably. I think it's I, a consistency think, uh, factor for sure. Yeah. I think there's something that should be said about the type of burn offense that Burns creates that is, uh, more, I guess not translatable, but more consistent. And uh, there was also those years with Carlson where he was, you know, so down with San Jose that that were on full display that yeah. teams are going to be taking notice of. Um, right. Like, there were years that Carlson was legitimately, I think, bad, especially the, yeah. you know, granted a lot of stuff going on in the COVID year for everybody, 2021, but he wasn't good that year. Yeah. So, Burns Burns game has sloped off from when he was a Norris finalist in 2019, but mm-hmm. it was a kind of a gradual decline where you know, yeah. I think he was still a very good defenseman, still a easy top four defenseman on any team in yeah. those years. He just wasn't the Brett Burns of like 
29 goal Brent Burns and that kind of, you know, Brent Burns. But um, so, yeah. Pittsburgh appears to be the, like, the front runner, right? Like the team that really, really wants Carlson. Um, Carolina. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's in there, but yeah. yeah. So let's, let's mention Carolina. Carolina kind of feels like you said the, um, the team that's kind of just waiting to see if they mm-hmm. can get a sort of bargain maybe on, on Eric Carlson here. Um, like they did with Brent Burns, right? Yeah. So yeah. your your uh, Carolina proposal was uh, I'll pull it up here forty percent sure. retained again um, mm-hmm. for so basically Eric Carlson at seven million for the next four years uh, to the San Jose Sharks would go Toivo Teravainen, um, the uh, Hurricanes twenty twenty four first round pick lottery protected mm-hmm. Jack Drury um, and a Hurricanes twenty twenty four third round pick. Right. Tara Vinen had kind of a down year. So I think that's why his name is kind of getting brought up in these proposals is because his numbers for his contract, which I think is north of 5 million or 6 million. Yeah, it's 5.4. And um, granted, you know, he's only 28. um, Mm -hmm. And before this past season, uh, in four of the five past seasons, uh, you know, I think he he, he popped in over 60 points. Yeah. So his contract is not as uh, sort of, uh, low sum has like Mikhail Grandlin's or Jeff Petrie's. Sure. Um, and so it's more of a, just like, instead of, I don't know if it's an out of bad contract, it's more of a so-so contract. Right. Yeah, but something that the, they could get for free or get a team to take probably for free. Like yeah. if, if Carolina wanted to, they could probably trade. Yeah. yeah I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. For like may or maybe retain a little, or maybe um, attach like a fourth and get a, you know, a fifth back or something like that where they like, give up a little value, but he seems like he's got enough value and he's only 28 that he might go to a team for free, but it, right, it, right, right, right. Where the money's got to move somewhere. makes sense to, to send right. back to the drugs. And I, you know, I might've been too aggressive with that then like with Tara Vinen, I saw uh, the hurricane setting a third round pick mm-hmm. as sort of the reward for taking on his so-so sure. contract. But you're, you're right though. Like, uh, you know, um, He's only had one bad year. He's much younger. Uh, he's only got one year left in his deal, too. So um, so that was part of the draw, I thought, for the Sharks, that like if he bounces back, and obviously we know that on the wing, the Sharks have a lot of opportunity, um, that he would be easy to flip. You know, yeah, for, for, for something sure. good at, at the deadline. Also, too, Tara Bynan, I think, is you know, underrated. He's a good two-way player, uh, good two-way wingers, played a lot on the power play, obviously, but also the penalty kill. And so, you know, he is an underrated asset in, in, in that sense, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the deal, I kind of saw. Um, so basically, uh, a Drury and, and the first round pick, right? Mm-hmm. And that is sort of the trade directly for Carlson, you know, you know, kind of uh, uh, on the ice, but taking in consideration the risk of his contract, too. And Drury is a guy that, uh, from what I've heard, the Sharks like and yeah. uh, have liked. And, you know, it makes sense for a lot of the obvious reasons. You know, Drury comes from a Boston hockey family. Ted Drury is his dad. Chris Drury, I believe, is his uncle. Um, Jack Drury uh, played at Harvard. Um, and he's also seen as a kind of a high compete, high character player. His sure. upside may not be, uh, uh, you know, very high, but, you know, he's a guy that you hope you can see slotting into like your third line center or fourth line center for a long time if, uh, things work out. And so, yeah, so that, 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 that seems like a guy that they would try to, 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 uh, to pull away from the hurricanes. 
And of course, Hurricanes would have a lot of reasons to 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 want to keep him because uh, he's you know young and he's and he's cheap. Yeah. Um, and finally, I guess uh, with Ter- with going back to Tara Vinen, uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, if you look at their um their 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 Puckpedia page, uh, it's. I mean, they don't have a lot of bad contracts. They they've really been really uh, uh, very yeah. very disciplined. Uh, you know, sure. they've obviously like uh, 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 been lucky too, right? But mm-hmm. the most the contracts that people like think that they have to get rid of just because not that they had to get rid of them, but just because these guys are have only one year left and are about to go UFA are Tara Vinen, uh, Brady Shea, and Brett Pesci, who's you know been in a lot of rumors and. Yep. Pesci and uh, Shea are actually have a lot of value still, though. You know, the, if the yeah. Hurricanes wanted to trade them straight up, they would get you know very high picks. You know, like Pesci, I think is a little more regarded than Shea, even though Shea had 18 goals last year. But you know, both like you know maybe a late first for a Pesci, uh, maybe a second in that range for for a Shea. At least that's that's what one scout that I talked to uh, suggested to me. Whereas yeah. Teravinen, obviously. Um, you know, maybe you had to attach something to trade him or get nothing for him or something something in that range. Yeah, so I think it's kind of their only option unless they do a this is a also a very good segue. We've got good segues today. Unless there's a third team involved, um, essentially where a third team is involved where a team would move somebody like Petri Granlin, Teravinen. Um, oh, but well, you didn't—you didn't give me a reaction to the. Oh, I did. My hurricane oh, proposal. You're absolutely right. So the—I <laughs> actually—I like the Carolina proposal. Um, mm-hmm. I like—I just like Jack Drury as a player. Um, okay. I, I enjoy right. watching him, so I—I I, I like it a little bit more. But I like—it it does seem fair. I think the—I think it's—it's it's realistic because it feels like a deal that Carolina would bite at. Like they'd say, okay, we're getting Carlson at 40% and it's only going to cost us a first and like a third. And, and, you know, we get out of Teravinen and um, it feels uh, like they might bite at. So it feels realistic yeah. to me in, in a sense. Yeah. Like source mentioned to me that uh, he, he thought that Teravinen and Drury were players that they would, they would part with. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, to, to improve their team, not that they're looking to trade Teravinen and Drury, but the, those are, those are, those are parts that are, uh, sort of, um, you know, yeah. are, are available for the right player. And maybe that right player is, uh, is, uh, Eric Carlson. Yep. And Carolina also just has a, and it's kind of sad because I wish Carolina was the team that was pushing for, for Carlson. Cause they have like a wealth of, you know, prospect capital. They have, they've been drafting pretty well, at least, you know, or it seems pretty well over the past few years. And, um, uh, every year they seem to pick new, uh, internet darlings in terms of, <laughs> uh, drafted prospects. So, um, I still like Jack Drury though. And I think it would be a realistic and, and decent trade for the Sharks. Um, Which one do you like more the Pittsburgh one or the uh, Carolina one? If you're Mike Greer and Eric Carlson, even though uh, the report is that Eric Carlson prefers Pittsburgh, but if Eric Carlson's um, willing to go to both places, uh, which, which deal do you take? I take the 
Pittsburgh deal. I think just the the second possibility of a first round pick is well, but that's but then you had to take on more money. That's the reason why the Carolina deal is yeah. a little lighter because uh, than the Pittsburgh yeah. uh, proposal because uh, Tara Biden mm-hmm. only has one year left, uh, whereas Petrie has got two years. So there's a you know obviously a bit more of a commitment there. Yeah, I just I think they also would use Petrie. Like I don't Tara yeah. is fine on the Sharks, but I think Petrie would actually fill a role at the Sharks sure. that they would sure. need, like basically just a defenseman to. Uh, put up points which they don't really have right now so i think right. just from my team perspective he'd probably be like all right i can at least use this for right now and then if he still maintains some value in a year he can um sell him as well well heck uh if 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 that pittsburgh proposal came to pass um petrie and ty smith would could immediately be the sharks yeah uh, top offensive defenseman you know like it, one right? two on the power play <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, you know immediately the ultimate goal, I think, is to get another first-round pick for 2024 because I mm-hmm. think no matter what, the Sharks are going to have a pretty down year if they do trade Carlson. And I sure. think having more and more in this next draft is the most important thing for the Sharks. Sure. Um, okay, so if the Sharks are not the ones that are going to take on your Petri, your Granlin, your Teravainen, your Pesci, they're going- oh, they are going. Are they are they do take it on? You mean? Yeah, if they take them on, okay. is there a is there a role for um, a third team to kind of be an outlet for those players? Right? Yeah, and that's what a source uh, uh, said to me uh, yesterday or two days ago. He mm-hmm. said uh, flat out, "I heard it's going to take three teams to get it done." <laughs> so it seems, yeah, <laughs> three team trades are very rare. I'd say, yeah. but it's like I try to avoid them because they they sound like just like. You know, made yeah. up on a on an internet kind of trades a lot of times. But I think once you involve that thirteen, the possibilities are endless, right? But <laughs> um, let's kind of dive into what we might see, like if that was a thing, right? So somebody yeah. believes that it will take a third team. Mm-hmm. I guess there's two ways to think about it. They take a, a salary dump or a player from Carolina or Pittsburgh. They put them on somewhere else. Petrie, right? Grandland, the Petrie, Granlin, yeah, Teravainen types. Yep. Yeah. Or we have like a retention deal. Where Carlson mm-hmm. is is laundered through a third team to Carolina or Pittsburgh with retention. Right. Um, let's talk about the first scenario first. Um, basically, because I think it's a little bit more realistic and, and something that's actually happened before, uh, rather than the retention, which I don't think has mm-hmm. happened in that way. Not not quite the way I, I have it envisioned, but mm-hmm. um, the one you know you go yeah go you go at it first and then i i i have sort of an an argument against the idea of uh you know acquiring a, a petrie and then and then rerouting him unless of course he doesn't want to be in san jose he's on the on the no trade list but yeah i mean that would be one let's start with petrie i think the yeah. common destination i've seen is seattle as well i don't know if you've seen that one mm-hmm. where they're looking for um you know seattle's kind of in this weird spot where they're competitive already out of nowhere and uh, they kind of want to keep it going. And I think they need another offensive defenseman or at least somebody to uh, put some points up uh, on their, on their blue line. So Petri to Seattle, uh, um, basically rerouting the sharks. So not coming to the sharks, but going to them. And then we take on the, um, the prospects and picks that we get from Pittsburgh because of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a free Petri to Seattle, and then we, the Sharks get the picks, and then Pittsburgh gets Carlson, and some kind of deal around that. Um, I don't know who else you would think would want Petri for right now at six point two five. I mean, I, I don't that that part I, I haven't thought too too hard about mm-hmm. in terms of like like what teams would want 
these players, uh, Granlin, Teravinen types. Yeah. Um, I would say, though, that, you know, Seattle, I don't know how much they would want a, a Petrie, but they probably want something back, even if they like the player a bit. Like, they know his value is low. Like, they're not going to just take his $6.25 million straight up, you know, especially for two years, you know. They might mm -hmm. take it at the trade deadline next year when it's an expiring contract, and Petrie has shown in, like, the last year and a half that he's still a competent, legitimate, you know, NHL player or top four defenseman or whatever, sure. right? Yeah. But, um, so... Yeah, you, you, you had to trade something, and that, that's why I guess that's my general argument against rerouting these guys, especially uh, especially if you got a four, like if you get a first or or equivalent back, if you get an Owen Pickering, you get a first for Petrie and Granlund, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's sort of their value out there, right? That you got to attach a first with them. So why, if you're Seattle, would you take just like a, a second or third back? I don't, yeah, I don't or maybe know. there's like a a deal where there is some going to Seattle as well or, or something. Right, like, right, right. Like yeah, something value. extra, yeah. I think. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like, just they get the worst pick and, and they take on the contract yeah. and the Sharks get to keep the first, the first round pick or pick a ring because that doesn't, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that doesn't quite, quite make as much sense to me. But Tara Vinen, I think does still have a little bit of value. Yeah. But yeah. No, that, that's fair. Like, maybe if the Sharks didn't want to use them, they could try and go somewhere else with them. Yeah, or um, uh, Trevor Biden has a, has a no trade too. He's got a 10 team no trade. So who yeah. knows if the Sharks are on there or not. And like I said, in my proposal, might have been a little aggressive adding a third round pick as sort of the the sweetener with Trevor Biden because he's close enough and young enough to like his prime where mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't even require that much, you know, in terms of, uh, 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 you know, uh, a sweetener like that. Yeah, and you know the other the other option is basically where these go to your normal cap dump places, like mm -hmm. they go to Arizona or they go to Chicago recently, or they go to mm -hmm. uh, Columbus or or whoever's you know taking on bad contracts for this year, um, and that's also an option as well where they get paid. Yeah, to I want to. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit though, in terms of just different candidates mm -hmm. and. You know, I, I've reached out to to a couple of people in terms of just like where they sort of are in terms of uh, in sort of, in terms of doing that. You know, these you know, mm -hmm. like uh, this summer. So, I think it's a possibility. Um, I like the idea better of a, of a retention player like place for Carlson because I think that's a more interesting topic in discussion. Um, so let's, let's, let's transition to that if you're okay with it. Oh, okay. Okay. Just, just, uh, the pure retention one. Right. So, yeah. Cause we can um, kind of pick teams out for Petri and Granlin and, and, and right. all that and, and try and move them to places. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be paying to take them on, um, or getting them for free. And did we be like shooting, you know, darts at a dartboard kind of. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to get something for Petri and then have to give something up to, to, to kind of, you know, yeah. uh, feels kind yeah. of productive. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, but I don't know. Uh, but in terms of just okay, so I had this idea like one of the the kind of consistent themes that we have heard throughout this is that the sharks do not want to retain that much. Like, you know, it's Hasso's money and all that stuff, yeah. right? And yeah. you know, re, you know, it, it is his money. <laughs> Easy <laughs> for us to spend his millions, right? So, yeah. um, so I had the idea uh, of well, um. Maybe a third team can retain uh, uh, on Carlson's contract along with the Sharks. Mm -hmm. And so, in effect, the Sharks would retain, uh, wouldn't have to retain as much. 
And if you keep the amount low enough for the third team that it, they would not notice it as much, <laughs> kind of, mm, you know. Okay. And so my idea was sort of like, well, you know, uh, maybe a team would retain on Carlson for one million AAV for four years, leaving the mm. Sharks, let's say the Sharks retain uh, or let's say 40 percent of Carlson's contract is retained in total. The Sharks are retained 3.5 million, which is maybe a little more realistic than the Sharks retaining 4.5. At least the way the Sharks sound, you know, their their posture and, you know, and Hasso's money and, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, there I, I don't couldn't think of, uh, you know, looking a little bit of a, quite a deal like that where a team retained a low amount, but for a long time. And it was sort of a straight up deal too. Like I think Ekman Larson um, in the sure. original deal from Arizona to Vancouver that uh, Arizona retained a very little amount for like six years or something like that, right? But mm-hmm. there are so many moving parts in that deal that it's hard to figure out what the value of basically six years and I think a total of like five million, five point five retained. You know what? what what the value of that is in terms of like draft capital right and so that's Mm -hmm. what i kind of pulled at and it was kind of like there there was cap dumps going both ways right like yeah 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 yeah. way then like beagle and roussel and i don't remember who else came the other way it was difficult to figure out exactly what the it's hard to use as a comp right yeah and so um i also uh, uh i try to figure out some some candidates right and obviously like chicago is uh that it was is a you know usual suspect they took on i think uh josh bailey for uh five million left for one more year and mm-hmm. the cost was a second round pick the islanders sent a second round pick with bailey so give you a sense of what one year five million might be worth in terms of uh uh retention uh, uh these days um anaheim because you know anaheim we're not really sure their their direction because they struggled last year like the sharks sure. uh philadelphia maybe uh, a couple people told me philadelphia and philadelphia appears to be going through a rebuild themselves philly's um, my philly would be my interesting one because the philly mm-hmm. does make sense right they're going to wait three more years for mitchkoff to come sure. over they're going through a rebuild like you know, work trading the guys that we need to trade kind of thing. Right. It's going to be the timeline fits, right? The only issue, and this is like, I don't know if it's a real thing or not, is, is you know, they're giving Eric Carlson to Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh kind of like... A, <laughs> kind well, of like, maybe it's Carolina to give him to too, right? So, I yeah. Uh... Yeah, or Carolina. But like either way, it's trading, you know, him to your division. Is that a, is that a thing that Philadelphia is going to care about? Yeah. And traditionally, it... yeah. These days, who knows? It is worth noting too, um, and actually, uh, the kind of the the fifth team on my list mm-hmm. uh, was uh, Montreal, possibly, uh, or fourth team was Montreal, and my sure. last team was was everybody's favorite uh, cap dump uh, um, uh, landfill, Arizona, sure. and um, four of these teams, though, uh, worth noting: Chicago, Philadelphia, Montreal, Arizona, already ha- uh, have retention spots committed elsewhere. Mm. Um, so you only get three retention spots. So they, they all have, you know, one uh, from, 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 uh, you know, the retaining on somebody. So, yeah. so that, that could be a limiting thing, but anyway, I just want to jump on, jump into these different candidates. So um, I talked with uh, uh, Mark D'Amico. He is a Montreal hockey now reporter. I asked about Montreal. He said, no, he doesn't think that, uh, that nope. uh, Gorton and Hughes are, are really would be into that. 
Uh, this is interesting. Uh, checked in with Arizona. Like I said, you know, they've been doing a lot of this over the years, but it sounds like they're kind of distancing themselves from it, you know. And this summer, they did make some some moves that are signal yeah. that they're trying to win some games, you know, finally. Um, you know, signing uh, J- uh, Jason Zucker and uh, Alex Kerfoot uh, in the free agency market. They traded for Sean Dursey. Um, yep. So those are those are moves of a team that are, that is trying to trying to maybe do something here. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, Craig Morgan, uh, he's you know everything Arizona Coyotes, right? Uh, uh, Craig Morgan of uh, PHNX Sports. He said uh, when I asked him, like, is Arizona? Are they still um, you know? Uh, taking on bad contracts for picks. And he said, uh, highly unlikely. Uh, Bill Armstrong told him that while they haven't closed the door on taking on bad contracts, it's not something that they're pursuing anymore as, you know, they're moving on to the next stage of the rebuild, which they are clearly moving on to another stage of the rebuild with sort of the money they spent this, uh, this summer. So, yeah, yeah, the way Craig said it was that it would have to be a, a return that knocked their socks off. Mm-hmm. for them to consider it and so then uh then i thought well my next question was then well what what is the equitable return or what's a what's a return that'll knock your socks off if the retention is one million a low amount per year right one million aav you know if it was for one or two years any team in the league would take that on if it's like for any you know like even for like a fourth round pick they might do it you know if, uh, if it's that you know that low aav amount but for four years, though, that's sort of the the problem. That's the you know the, yeah, the fly in the ointment, so to speak. You know, and mm-hmm. again, a big part of it is because just to repeat that there is just three retention spots, so you don't want to tie up a retention spot, you know, into the third and fourth year, and and you want to use it for something else. Yep. And so you know, teams are just I, okay. So the next person I talked to, I asked, I actually asked Craig his opinion. And then I asked a, a scout uh, uh, his opinion of like, well, you know, what what is fair for for something like this that we've never quite seen a comp for, you know, again, a mm-hmm. small amount for four years, and both Craig and the scout passed on even offering a suggestion <laughs> <laughs> because we just haven't seen it, we have no idea. And yeah. uh, Craig did have the excellent suggestion of, well, talk to a cap guy, and good thing uh, I have a cap guy. Uh, Hart Levine, Puckpedia, uh, great dude. And Puckpedia, fantastic site, fantastic resource, right? So Hart took on the challenge. And he said that, like, uh, he, he said that, and like we've sort of been alluding to, that, um, you know, teams just don't want to commit dead cap space for that many years in the future. You know, like $4 million, that's the total over 40 years, right, for, for mm-hmm. Carlson retention in my sort of idea, right, in my scheme. Uh, that's not $4 million, you know, retained is not a lot. But every team in a league, you know, it'll be easier, much easier time to, to find a team to take $4 million over two years, you know, $2 million mm-hmm. AAV a year as opposed to over 40 years. And, it again, it's, it's that commitment of uh, limited retention spot. Yep. And so anyway, he offered this as sort of, uh, well, what's a sort of a, a overpay, a reasonable overpay that would get someone's attention where they would be like, well, it is for four years, but it's just for a million. So let's do it. And he's, he, so he, he suggested a basically a second round pick and a fourth round pick. 
mm-hmm. which sounds pretty rich for you know for just four million of retention. But again, though, we're spacing it out over four years. You're taking up someone's retention spot for four years, right? Yeah. And so he said that even that kind of uh, value, which is a pretty good value on the surface, like teams would still be hesitant for that. And anyway, just to wrap up the point uh, about all this, about you know the third team idea, right? Um. I think obviously I ideally like, uh, you know, a lot of fans, you know, they've said like, Oh, why don't the sharks, why don't the sharks just retain 50% of Carlson's contract, get it done with retain as much as possible, get as much as possible back. Once mm-hmm. again, though, you know, it's Hasso's money. <laughs> yeah. And Hasso may not want to spend close to $24 million watching Eric Carlson, you know, uh, uh, win a Stanley cup with the penguins. I don't, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, so it doesn't matter what 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 we think. Kind of, oh, this is the most reasonable. This is, you know, yeah. like on the surface to me, like even though it's sort of my idea, like I don't I don't get it. Too. Why would you have a team retain for one million for four years and send out a second round pick when you could just retain it yourself? You know, yeah. um, but it might be a principle of the thing. It also might be I, a signifier that they they just don't want to be dealing with $5 million of Eric Carlson four years from now. Maybe they mm-hmm. see the Sharks in a, just a completely different place and, you know, competing for big free agents. Who, who knows what in terms knows? of their, yeah. their type of thing is. They just want to move on from like the past, you know, era of San Jose yeah. Sharks hockey. And if you're stuck with paying Eric Carlson $5 million a year for the next four years, mm-hmm. it doesn't really move on. It feels like it yeah. kind of feels like you're stuck. So it might just be a, you know, uh, more of a feeling thing than anything. Last yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but uh, I, I would yeah. say though that um, that the last thing about the retention slot I wanted to mention oh, sure. too yeah, is, is mm-hmm. it's one of the few things in the NHL that is like a finite commodity, right? Like teams only have three of them, and mm-hmm. teams can you know leverage those every single trade deadline, right? You can leverage them and get an extra fourth, five, sure. six round pick, whatever. Um, Every single year, and teams do that. They'll they'll take on three bad contracts, or they'll fill up their retention slots for the just that little two month period, and then they'll be mm-hmm. done. Um, an interesting thing, and I found this out um, after uh, Oliver Ekman Larson was bought out, is that the retention oh, slot sure, yeah. mm-hmm. eaten up by the length of the buyout. So instead of the Coyotes having a retention slot being eaten up until 2027 when they retained on Ekman Larson, it's eaten up until 2031. They have one right. slot for eight more years, basically, right. that they can't use. Right, so right, right. That's, yeah. That's a risk, basically, whenever you to ask a team to, hey, take on a million dollars, here's a second and a fourth. If Eric Carlson gets bought out by his new team that they're not even in control of, their retention slot gets doubled for right, however many years. Yeah. So it's a finite commodity that you're asking a team to take on that risk of, you know, passing up on future capital or, you know, players they just need to get retained on to trade in a, right. in a you know i think it's a little bit unrealistic just from that slot perspective sure. no that, that's fair yeah them. yeah but um, you, you can pay them a lot but I think yeah so. and like i said it, yeah like it's it, it's something that you probably have to overpay for uh mm-hmm. and, and why not how long it is and <laughs> why why overpaid when you can just mm-hmm. take on the money yourself but once again though you know it's it's, it's not our money and yeah. um <laughs> You know, it, maybe it's it's just it's just a time thing. You know, maybe maybe Hasso mm-hmm. uh, and, and Mike Greer like they need to see over time that they really do need to retain more. Like there just isn't the interest. 
sure. you know, at Carlson at say 9.5 million per year or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. um, and maybe in a month or so they'll, you know, kind of, you know, start to be more aggressive toward moving him. I do think, I guess to wrap up the, everything about Carlson, you know, we're going to move on and talk about, uh, Philip Z- Zadina and that signing in a second, but like, um, I do think, I still think a trade is going to happen this, uh, this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, the Sharks want it. Carlson wants it, sure. and you just you know you don't you don't want to keep a guy around that that doesn't want to be there. That just not even if he's no. still playing hard and still uh, you know you know trying his best and trying to be a good teammate and whatever. It just it's just not some something that that you want in general. You want to move on as a franchise, even if you're retaining something, right? You still want to move on a little bit as a franchise and have a team of guys there that want to be there and are yep. pulling on the same kind of rope or whatnot right and i also mentioned too that it's kind of uh granted you know carlson doesn't have the same cachet in san jose as brent burns did and so that i think that's another uh additional reason why even though the return for burns was light that you really Mm. or everything that brent burns has done for the sharks uh 11 years and you know leading them in you know a lot of you know defensive categories in terms of scoring and whatever right and being the first sharks defenseman with a norris and all kinds of stuff right that you don't hold a guy you know like you know hostage basically with san jose until like a trade deadline just to extract you know you you know just a little bit more out of the deal, you know, out of a deal. And it's, you know, um, yeah. I don't, don't think, don't, don't think that would have been the right thing for my career. Granted, you know, Carlson again, hasn't, uh, doesn't have the cachet in San Jose that Burns does, but Carlson is a, um, is, is a, in the, in the, um, sort of the spectrum of the NHL. He's obviously a huge star and teams and, you know, other, other agents, players see how you treat guys like that. And Carlson, Carlson wanted to go last trade deadline. Right. Uh, But they held on to him uh, because they didn't like the offers they were getting or the retention that they're being asked. And Carlson, you know, didn't say a word, didn't really complain, didn't show, you know, much of any sort of discontent. He just kept scoring points, got to 100, got his Norris Trophy, right? Sure. Stayed healthy, too, you know, to, to his credit. Um, and so you're asking him to kind of just do it again and, like, okay, you know, build up that value again so we can get, uh, we can get, uh, 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 you know, instead of a third round pick, a second round pick, or instead yeah. of, uh, instead of uh, Ty Smith, get Owen Pickering, you know? And, yeah, you can ask a guy to do that, and he has no option to go anywhere else in a sense, right? But at a certain point, though, it, it just you know you just got 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 to let a, let a guy go, and the offers aren't there. It's because the market isn't there, even if you wanted to be there, even if he did win the twenty twenty three Norris Trophy. Yeah. Um, and That's so, yeah, so I I I feel like it, it I I feel like it, it has to come to some kind of head and and they just have to trade him even if it's not. <clears throat> yeah. And I wrote in my Hurricanes proposal yesterday. It's a it's you're right. It's basically just time to move on. I think in terms of that that saga, and I don't want to like have I want to see Eric Carlson playing winning hockey because he's yeah. at his best when he's putting a team on his back and winning games and yeah yeah like, when he's you know, uh when he has like a ability. good reason to to kind of kill himself out there and risk injury you know i mean you want that for for any any player you know they you yeah. want them to put you know risk themselves for uh for for a reason and, and we also put ourselves in the mind of our of 
us a year ago when we were like, yes, take Eric Carlson for oh, free, please. For free. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll retain two million, and <laughs> yeah. and and I'll, and 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 you, you know, you're not give us anything. You know what a what a bargain for us. <laughs> yeah, right. No bad cap dumps or nothing. You just want him, sure, take him. Yeah, yeah. take him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so I don't know. I I I feel like a deal will happen because of mm-hmm. all those different kind of uh, pressures uh, eventually. Um, sure. and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I, I guess I don't mind keep to keep talking about it, but of course at a certain point, we just won't have much to say about it anymore. And we're just sort sure. of, we spent it, uh, we spent an hour this week. And I think actually every week yeah. we'll spend an hour on Gary. <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, but yeah, I guess a, a last thought on it is, yeah. uh, and I, and I wrote it, I, I, I was, uh, I was about to say, I, I wrote in the Caroline hurricanes article or hurricanes trade proposal that, I don't see the Sharks' uh, position here as trying to win the Eric Carlson trade here. There sure. is no win. Eric Carlson is going to be the best player in any deal. Uh, yeah. You're not going to get a, a future Eric Carlson in the deal back unless you draft really well with the draft you could get, sure. obviously. But yeah, really like, the prospect you get, the the actual initial player you get back, be it a Ty Smith or Owen Pickering or um, uh, Jeff Petrie or whatever, right? You know, our Carlson is going to be the best deal player in the deal, hands down. Um, you're not trying to win win this deal. You, I mean, yeah, you're trying to get the best possible deal under the circumstances, but you have to remember there are a lot of circumstances here limiting Carlson's trade value. Uh, you're mm-hmm. in a different reality of thinking of things. I think if you think that why are we giving away the 2023 Norris Trophy winner for just Jack Drury and a first round pick? You know, there's a yeah. lot of different, you know, uh, uh, limiting factors to Carlson's trade value. And so, um, yeah, so, so, uh, so again, I don't We're see the, have to the Sharks to goals get. try to win. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to give up to get us is basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And try to get like a decent package that can mm-hmm. help your team out. Um, and even like the Hurricanes and Burns example, right? Like if McEnany pans out, which, you know, you maybe not likely, but he could, right? And they were able to flip Lawrence for a pretty good player, Anthony Duclair. They were able to trade up from Lawrence, right? So if you get guys mm-hmm. that, you know, like that, you know, it starts to look a, a little better. And the same thing can happen with with Carlson. You know, you get the, you get what you can get back for Carlson at this point, and then you move up from there. You trade up from there. Yeah. All right, we're closing the book on Eric Carlson. We have a few more topics before we get into the Nico Sturm interview. Just a couple. Just a few. Uh, quick notes, I'd say. Uh, yeah, first one notes. is uh, Philip Zadina uh, signed a $1.1 million by one year contract in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, this was interesting, right? So Zadina was was waived, right? And was, was basically for free. Um, he had $1.8 million, I think it was, times two years left on his contract um, in um, uh, Detroit. After being a very high draft pick um, for them a few years ago. Sorry, yeah, and the the one point eight two five was in AAV, so not in yeah, actual. One point eight two five AAV for two years. He was mm-hmm. waived. Nobody wanted him at that that right. price. Then they agreed to a mutual termination, which is you know Philip basically betting on himself that he's going to go to a different team and make you know not the exact same amount of money, but enough money that that one point eight. And enough of well, a, he, uh, he didn't walk away from the AAV amount. That's why I yeah. mentioned the difference. Like he walked True. away from four point five six million, so a bit more than the yeah. AAV times two. Yeah, so it's like mm, an extra eight hundred thousand, even above that. You know, so 
yeah, it, basically he's he's walking away from guaranteed cash, betting on himself, and then he signs in San Jose. I like the the overall feel of that story. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he was drafted as as kind of a a goal scorer, right? So he had forty four goals in his draft year. Um, only like 38 assists in his draft year as well, which is very rare for a prospect to not have more assists than goals unless they are mostly a pure goal, goal scorer. Um, and Zadina never really kind of translated that. Uh, he said he's going to fill a lot of nets in the NHL. It was a very like publicized quote that he said. Um, and then it hasn't happened yet, right? I think his highest yeah. goal total is like 10. 10. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it correct to... Uh, my memory is that he was thought of like he was going to be like a surefire 30 goal guy, maybe not like yeah. 40, 50, but like 30 mm -hmm. was pretty People good. People were like, oh, there's going to be your Tarasenko or your, mm. you know, Lion A kind of guy who's going to just, yeah. you know, put a bunch of goals up and that's it. And it never really panned out. So Sharks, I think, needed goal scorers. They got rid sure. of Timo. Um, they basically just don't have a lot of players that are called goal inclined, right? <laughs> got a lot of <laughs> got a lot of playmakers, um, not a lot of shooters, right? So they yeah. got Duclair last week, and then this week added Zadina, hopefully to add some more goals. But sure, what do you think about this uh, signing, Shang? Well, it is funny to think. I just thought about it uh, a little while ago that the two big goal scorers that they've added this summer, Zadina and Duclair, I think combined for five goals last year. <laughs> really gonna light up the net <laughs> light up the <laughs> light of the, uh, light of the light yeah well, i know that's not fair though you know declare has scored 31 uh and uh three time 20 goal scorer and obviously zadina just 23 so so maybe mm -hmm. maybe he can he can find his game anyway i've written quite, quite a bit about zadina just actually had an article come out um just uh, talked with uh, a few scouts um uh, talked with the coach, talked with the executive sort of about Zadina's like outlook and potential and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, most people agree, you know, this is a good upside play for them. Yeah. And it is cool too, that um, his agent, uh, Zadina's agent, Darren Ferris uh, told uh, me that Zadina had higher dollar offers uh, but he wanted to go to San Jose after talking to David Quinn. So that's, you know, that's kind of a feather in, in Quinn's cap, cap. And one of the things that, you know, talking with the sources that I talked to about Zadina is that, yeah, he's a, he's a good kid, but like confidence, you know, was perhaps an issue with him. And sure. even he alluded to it in his availability um, a couple mm -hmm. days ago with San Jose media about like trying to get back to the player that, um, that uh the good player that he was you know yeah um and so so uh so yeah i think uh, confidence was an issue with him and one thing that i think uh david uh that i've i've seen is that he's a guy that tries to give guys confidence try to tries to keep them positive doesn't always work out obviously you know obviously we saw kevin lebank last year you know a little up and down there obviously but i think david tries though you know i think that's the approach he takes tries to have good yeah. relationships with with all his players talks communicates with them on a on a fairly regular basis and so i think i i i can see this as being uh you know really can can work out for both parties um there's opportunity in San Jose, you know, you know, uh, uh, David's the kind of coach that I think will, you know, keep Zadina's spirits up and confidence up. Um, and, you know, hopefully that all, you know, uh, adds up to uh, filling up the net. So, yeah. And the, the Sharks needed just um, some more winger help. And I think this is right. going to be an interesting swing for them. Um, 
to see if they can rebuild his career. And, and um, I believe he's still going to be an RFA after this year as well, even though he was uh, had a mutual termination, right? I think he's still an RFA. Yeah, yeah, he goes back. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he's under yeah. 27. So he goes back to... Yeah. Uh, to uh, the Sharks uh, will have RFA. his rights, you know, either way, if they decide. If he has a great year, you sign him for a longer deal. Makes sense mm-hmm. on a rebuilding team to get a young guy. So I like the right. signing. I think everybody kind of universally liked it. So yeah. Um, our other signing of the week is Casper uh, Haltonen, Sharks' second round pick from the 2023 draft, uh, was signed to his ELC, which is interesting mm-hmm. because it kind of came out of nowhere. It felt like um, Musty had that big, you know, prospect camp, and and it felt like uh, Haltonen had a fine game, but it didn't feel like he was the star of the show. And then out of nowhere, Haltonen gets his three year ELC. Um, I was thinking about this and, and it was kind of like just a question of where Halton's going to play next year. Right. Sure. Um, he is, you know, he's drafted out of Finland, um, for HIFK, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helsinki's team. Um, and he, um, during the men's league play had one point in 27 games and played one assist. One assist, and he played pretty much like either between zero and ten minutes a night, uh, from what I could tell in his his game sheets. Occasionally, he did like twelve or thirteen, but he was mm-hmm. mostly playing bottom pairing or replacement level minutes um, for the men's team. Uh, he he had you know great totals in his J twenty his, his juniors team basically in Finland, but he wasn't playing a whole lot in the men's league. So, yeah. is there a chance here that maybe he's not going back to Finland and maybe he's coming over to North America? Yeah, I actually, I, at first, you know, uh, when I, when you know, someone asked me about it on Twitter, and I, you know, I was writing Eric Carlson uh, trade proposal stories. So, yeah, so I, I, I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, uh, I, I dig on it, but um, I started asking people today uh, about it because you, you mentioned it, and actually, I think that um, I think it's fair to say that um, things are up in the air, maybe. Um, one thing actually, I was just curious. Uh, so the, the London Knights are the team associated with, with Halton in, I think, uh, or a lot, or that's who asked me a London Knights fan, I I think, Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, the Knights selected, uh, Halton in, uh, in the import draft last year, uh, 35th. And I just, I, I found this uh, very interesting actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's a, if, 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 if you did some digging, like how often this happens, but, um, uh, uh, Halton, of course, uh, signed his ELC on uh, that's Wednesday, and the London Knights on their Twitter uh, uh, tweeted out, uh, "Congratulations to Casper Halton in on signing with the San Jose Sharks." Which well, I, London, I, London is a bit of a like I won't I won't call them crazy, but they are a very passionate OHL fan base. Oh, like, sure, it's, sure, it's sure, a super passionate team. So, but I think it's interesting it. that. <laughs> you know, maybe a London Knights fan could fill me out because I don't follow the London Knights Twitter. Mm-hmm. But for the London Knights Twitter to be publicly uh, uh, congratulating um, a prospect of theirs that was not thought of, of, even though he was had the rights, I don't know. Maybe they do that for all their imports, and that's just maybe. their sort of their welcome mat thing. I actually don't know, but maybe. I just saw this right now because I was actually curious, like where that they drafted him in the CHL import draft last year. So mm-hmm. I just saw that you know right there uh that that they 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 sent a congratulatory tweet and then the first sure. response from somebody is the ship hasn't sailed yet stay tuned <laughs> <laughs> um huh. so anyway one of my sources did tell me uh that 
pre-draft, it seemed certain that uh, Haltonen would go back to HIFK. And uh, that was also the, the team's belief as well. Uh, but things may have changed, you know, after talking to the Sharks. You know, there's a the may is a very key word there. Sure. <laughs> if you're going to try to steal that information, the may is a very key word there. Mm-hmm. Um but he also noted that, in his opinion, for kind of where Halton is in his development, that London does seem more realistic than the AHL. You know, Halton yeah. probably isn't quite there, whereas, you know, like what David Yurichek did that, right? Like, you know, hop yeah. straight to the AHL. I don't know if he's quite there for that or ready for that. Yeah, or we'll see in camp. Yeah. But, um, thing came over from Europe mm. and played in the AHL right away. Oh, right, right. He had a great year, right? Yeah. Yeah, great year. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know if Halton is is going to be that, um, mm-hmm. but um, anyway. So those those are a couple of tidbits. So yeah, it does seem yeah, but, like indeed again, it's it, it is up in the air. I I thought like it was sort of a, a a given that he'd be going there, but going back to Finland, but maybe not. Maybe not. I have two two thoughts on this. Um, just my own personal thoughts. So the the um the first is that this isn't the first time that a, a prospect drafted out of Finland has moved over recently, mm. right? So. Thomas Hamera was drafted last year, I think, by the um, by Ottawa, mm-hmm. um, and he, I think, he's a Czechoslovakian or Czech yeah. player who um, played in Finland. He came over and now plays in Kitchener Rangers in the yeah. OHL um, after having like basically the same similar thing. Where he's playing lower down in the men's league in in Finland. Not a lot of minutes. Not a lot of minutes, exactly. And then came over and he's playing on you know higher up minutes for for the right. OHL team. Same thing happened with Brad Lambert, right? Brad mm-hmm. Lambert had like sure. a very precipitous drop in his uh draft year and all the way down to winnipeg and uh a lot of that was due to basically not playing a lot of minutes and not getting the opportunities that he thought or his agent thought or whoever thought he yeah. should get in finland and came over played a little bit in the ahl and then eventually moved over to the whl um so just two very very recent actually this mm. year prospects moving from finland and playing in Canadian yeah those Finland. are definitely interesting comps yeah. And then the other thought is, I think that from uh, just a, my own perspective on, on Halton's play, I think he would benefit a lot from being in a system where he can be the a more of a, or he has more time to basically um, affect play offensively. I think his game is, is pretty simple in terms of getting the puck on net and, and everything. I think he needs a little bit more time to slow play down and he won't mm-hmm. get that in the Finnish league playing nine minutes a night. He's going to get it if he's on the top power play top line of right. London. So maybe, but you know, I think the other thing is it might come to fruition or we might learn more during training camp, like where he's going to go. Maybe they don't know either. Maybe they're just like, we're going to figure it out as you go over the next few months and see where you're going to go after. Right. Right. And then, um, yeah, like, uh, being, uh, you know, Halton could also, he doesn't have to play for legal. He, he can go, he, he can, he can play a level below, but, Mm-hmm. That level below, right? Probably the OHL, the London Knights are a better, yeah, better challenge for him, right? Because you know for he sure. dom Calton did appear at least statistically he dominated the lower levels, but yeah, he was a goal per game in, in the J twenty yeah. or the U twenty um, in right, in Finland. Right. So I think it's that, definitely not that league for him. Yeah, so so that kind of makes sense. Like maybe the Sharks, yeah, like better. Like you mentioned, you know, play eighteen minutes a night, fifteen minutes a night in London. Uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, nine a night for Helsinki. Yeah. Um, but those are pretty much, our, I think, our only signings, unless you remember any else from this week. 
I don't think nope. so. <laughs> I think that's it, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe, we, maybe we missed somebody, but it's all right. So we're gonna we're gonna get to um um an interview that uh we did with Nico Sturm a few weeks back. Um, mm. to spoil when it was, but uh, it's a pretty cool interview, and I, I think he had a, another quote to share about Gavanka uh, before then. Did you want to read it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we talked to Nico. Maybe it was three weeks ago, a month ago, and uh, mainly the main topic was that he had just won the silver medal at the World Championships. You know, a great achievement, especially for a German team that a German national team that's still coming up in sort of the world hockey ranks. And so we wanted to talk to him mainly about that, and we touched on other things like you know, obviously the Sharks had a rough season, that sort of thing, right? And Nico, as 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 you guys know um, from this past season, is you know very expansive, great to talk to, uh, always has an interesting opinion about whatever you you ask of him. And yeah. anyway, uh, with in terms of Gavanka, you know that would have been a question we would have asked if we had known <laughs> that. Um, that the Sharks were going to acquire Gavanka, but uh, he and Gavanka were teammates on this uh, silver medal winning uh, role championships team this past summer. And so Gavanka is a guy that he knows uh, pretty well. And yep. so, yeah, I was just curious sort of uh, get a sense of, uh, of Gavanka's game and, you know, his pro his NHL prospects, that, that sort of thing. And uh, Nico uh, was kind enough to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to supply this. He uh, said that I think players like him are tough to find big right-handed shot defensemen. You know, I, and he said, I am rooting for him. I think it will be up to him whether he makes the roster or not. But I think he now sees a legitimate chance to do just that. And that should be the, that should give him the motivation that he needs. And if we think about Kavanka's sort of timeline with uh, the Manitoba Moose, right? Four years there, not a sniff of angel action, even though he scored 20 goals from the blue, blue line last year, right? And that's got to be uh, a little dispiriting for a player and probably why he signed with uh, with Adler Mannheim uh, over the summer. Because he thought, well, Winnipeg's not going to give me a chance. I don't know if another team will. What's the point of staying sure. in the AHL and popping in 20 goals <laughs> and not getting, you know, one NHL game. And so definitely in San Jose at the moment, at least, you know, if they trade Carlson, like we talked about, uh, I think last week uh, about the Gavanka trade, uh, they have no clear options on, on the power play after Carlson. Um, and so it could be Gavanka. And um, with that opportunity here in San Jose, um, yeah, maybe he, he does, you know, kind of find that extra gear and, um, and, you know, stick in the NHL finally. Yeah. And it would be a very cool story. And um, I think obviously Nico's rooting for him. So, sure. <laughs> so let's hear from Nico. And um, I hope uh, everybody has a good week for the next week. We'll be back um, probably a week from today, whenever this comes uh, out. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. Maybe with Eric Carlson, actual trade news. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Maybe. Do you think so? Uh, no. I don't think so. <laughs> that's, my, that's my honest answer. I can't. I just more and more weeks. I think of time. Yeah, more and more weeks. Uh, do you do you think it's going to happen though? I think it'll happen for yeah, sure. Okay. It's okay. it's just about when. I think we're when? getting closer to like the August kind of thing, somewhere okay. in there. Hmm. More time. Okay. All right. See you guys. Our next guest has had a pretty good calendar year. Last June, he won a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. Then he signed a three-year contract with the Sharks and set career highs in goals and assists. 
And last month, he tied for the team lead on Team Germany with six goals at the Royal Championships, helping them to a silver medal. Let's welcome Nico Sturm to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So, Nico, we wanted to congratulate you uh, right away on the silver medal for Germany and the World Championships. Um, can you walk us through what that was like or, or anything you want to share from that experience? Yeah, it was obviously uh, my first time uh, playing for uh, the, uh, the men's team. I haven't uh, put on the Germany sweater since the World Juniors. I think that was 2014, so almost 10 years. And <clears throat> we obviously got uh, relegated at uh, that uh, tournament, and I think it was in Montreal and Toronto. So it was cool to, cool to put that sweater on. I had to put it off for a couple of years. Um, you know, in college, you always got the your finals in May and um, I said uh, in college when they asked me I just told them straight up I was focused on my schoolwork and I wanted to put my uh, my effort and my emphasis on one thing at a time and that my time with the national team would come and then since turning pro I've always been uh, fortunate to to play in the playoffs right and yep. uh, the, the, ch the opportunity just never arose uh, until this year and I was told him if I'm healthy and uh, I'm available, I'm I'm very excited and looking forward to playing. And it was uh, didn't really know what to expect. Um, hadn't seen a lot of those guys in yeah, almost a decade. A lot of them I didn't even know um, at all. So it was fantastic. Um, I missed uh, you know talking, you know, speaking German in the locker room and. I definitely caught up with some of those guys and just um, hearing things and stories around the German league here, which is just something that I, I don't uh, get to experience throughout the year. Um, and just how the, how the guys feel in their clubs. And, and um, we came together so quickly um, and it was, it was amazing, uh, an amazing experience. Um I, I packed for a long time. I definitely did not pack till the finals. I, I, I gotta be honest. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty surreal. Um, how, how, how fast the team came together in the camp. Um, I mean, team Germany, they put a lot of, uh, emphasis on these, on these world championships. Um, some of the guys, when their season ends in April, they're prepping for this tournament for, you know, five, six weeks. Um, I think we played a total of eight uh, pre-tournament games. So a lot of work goes into that. And um, it's kind of the highlight of, uh, of the year for, for Hockey Germany, I would say. Not only did you play, but you tied for the team lead um, on Team Germany with six goals. Um, do you feel like the offensive confidence that you got throughout the year carried over to the Worlds, like from San Jose playing a bigger role in everything? Yeah, most importantly, I felt... Uh, I felt free. Um, I, I think there was certainly uh, some sort of expectation that I had for myself that I wanted to be one of the best players out there. Every time I step on the ice, I think that's quite natural when you come as an NHL player onto a team that only has uh, a handful of guys uh, from North America. So you want to have that impact. Surely there was uh, some sort of pressure as well. It comes with expectations from fans and coaches and teammates, I think. But overall, I felt I felt pretty free. Honestly, I felt uh, like there was no uh, no pressure at all. Um, and I think the further we 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 went in the tournament, the the more fun I had. And um, yeah, like I said, 
Um, I wanted to step out there, be the, the best version of myself and have an impact with one of the best players on the ice. And I think uh, overall, I, I I had a lot of fun. Definitely the, the fun aspect, which, you know, suffered a little bit this year in, in San Jose just because the team success wasn't there. Um, and these moments um, when we beat Switzerland in the quarters or we beat uh, – um, the Americans in the semifinals, those moments when you have that big goal in overtime and the reaction on the bench and we tied them in the last minute we, when we pulled the goalies, those big moments in the big games, that's where you want to be at, right? And and that's where we're trying to get back to uh, in San Jose. And, and it was great having that feeling again, um, you know, very, very similar to that feeling that I had in those big playoff moments with Colorado the year prior. That's why you play the game. That's where you want to be at. And um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm working hard that uh, I can do my part in, in bringing, uh, you know, us as an organization back to one of those moments, hopefully sooner than later. Mm. Are you hard boiling an uh, egg there, Nico? I heard the, the ringer there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just got a text. I'm trying to, I'm trying to mute, I'm trying to mute the distractions here on my computer. Here we go. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw pictures of uh, you and your brothers and your, you know, family in the locker room after the gold medal game, and were they able to come out to to watch you, you know, for when during the cup run at all, or is that sort of the first time that they've been also been able to be part of like a really significant like high level. Yeah hockey moment for you so uh taylor and my younger brother were there in uh in tampa when we won the cup mm. um my parents obviously have been overseas a couple of times now to watch me play they were not there for the cup run but um they've seen me play a couple of times for my older brother it was actually the first time seeing me play live since i left germany so that was uh wow uh, that was quite, uh, you know, um, I think mean, he was in Prague last year when we were there in San Jose, but um, it was, uh, it's cool having your family around. Uh, they obviously, they were there and, 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 you know, I'm sure nobody in Germany had the expectations of us going all the way to the, to the gold medal game. Um, as a team, I think, as an organization, we set out the uh, quarterfinals and the uh, qualifications for the next Olympics as kind of our goal, um, making it past the group stage. And we obviously had a tough start playing uh, Sweden, Finland, and the U.S. right away, right at the gates. And we played fantastic in those three games. Uh, they were all uh, very tight games where we felt like we could add some points. At the end of the day, we played great, but we are sitting there with zero points. And... Then you go into the fourth game against Denmark and you know this a do or die game um, that you have to win your next four games against uh, uh, Denmark, uh, Austria, Hungary and uh, France. So um, you, got, you got a lot of pressure moments and, uh, and um, the team overcame that um, very close in the group, like I said before. Um, and um, that's why you play the game. You want to play in those high stake games um, and sometimes it doesn't work out, um, like in the gold medal game, you know, we obviously lost that, but so many great moments that I take from that, uh, tournament, uh, like, the that first crucial win against Denmark, uh, overcoming Switzerland as a big underdog in, in the quarterfinals and that, that overtime moment against the Americans fighting back from a two nothing deficit. It's, 
it's it's fun. It was a lot of fun playing hockey. Something that I've I didn't have, I haven't felt for for a long time. Um, really, just the pure joy of the game of hockey was it was very special for me. How would you compare that sort of the national pride from, especially like you mentioned that it was an unexpected silver medal, you know, right. compared to winning a Stanley cup, which is not so much a national thing, of course. Right. It's, it's different. It's uh, the magnitude of the whole thing. Um, you can kind of feel the buildup throughout the whole tournament at the start. There's like almost no attention on the tournament and the team back home because there weren't really any expectations for us. There was actually a lot of criticism before the tournament with regards to how the team was put together. Um, we had a ton of guys, I think like a dozen guys that didn't come to the tournament, um, both from the NHL and the German League. So um, not a lot of people even from Germany were, you know, having high hopes in, in terms of us going very far. And I don't think a lot of people even had the quarterfinals in the stars for us. But um, I felt we got better as as the pre-tournament stage went on and then those first three games where we played those top teams. And I thought, man, this, this team's playing really good. Um, and uh, yeah, we certainly went a lot further. And with every game that we went further, you can could kind of sense that, oh, there's more media coverage now back mm -hmm. home. And it's like Germany uh, surprisingly makes quarters. And it was like... Uh, kind of like a hockey wonder when we beat Switzerland and then all of a sudden we beat the Americans in the semifinals. And you read, you know, I'm trying to stay off social media for the most part, but you can just read all these comments online and, and you know, media outlets that normally wouldn't cover us uh, or, you know, only when there's maybe a really big game, um, they, they focus on soccer and, and maybe maybe other sports, other events all of a sudden, there would be media coverage about us, and we obviously have a long way to go with hockey in, in Germany. And it was it was great to see. I think after the silver medal that the team won in 2018 at the Olympics, that uh, the sport had a moment like this again. Um, mm. Huge. We need that more than anything. We need every every article, every ounce of media coverage that we can get is so important for us here. So uh, can't be overstated how important this tournament was for hockey. Mm. And I'm wondering about uh, just some of your uh, teammates on Team Germany. Just wondering if there's anybody on a team, you know, putting you on the spot a little bit, but, you know, anybody who is not in an NHL organization right now or a former, you can't say Dominique Calhoun because he played many years in the NHL, but anybody who, you know, you, you just think, wow, this guy can fit into the league, like just somebody that maybe we don't know so much about. Yeah, so I, um, um, a couple of guys, obviously, but, there was a, a guy that was on our fourth line. He was uh, Wojciech Sokoviak. And I, mm -hmm. I honestly, truth be told, I, I never heard of him before. <laughs> um, and, you know, they put him on the fourth line. And I thought he was amazing. Um, he just played as a center. Uh, underrated skill and mm -hmm. skill set. Um, was really good on the draws. Really dug in. Um, and from what I've heard, um, you know, he's fielding offers from North America oh, awesome. this summer, so he might come over. Um, so I think that's always uh, a great point of that the, the tournament has an opportunity for guys that, um, you know, maybe fly under the radar a little bit or play in the European leagues where they don't get that uh, 
spot on, you know, coverage by the media or by the scouts um, to show that in, uh, you know, an eight or ten tournament, eight or ten game tournament, they can maybe try to get their first NHL contract, um, get scouts to pay attention to them. So I think um, besides the team aspect, it's always a great opportunity for individuals to showcase themselves. And kind of going off of that, um, with the uh, the draft season coming up, we wanted to ask about a few of the 2023 draft prospects, if you know who was playing at the World Championships. Um, we had a few, Leo Carlson, Adam yeah. Finley, and David Reinbacher. Um, did you have an opportunity to play against any of them? And any of yeah, the I, I, I obviously don't pay attention to other players as much as our team, but um, Carlson, obviously, he played a big role for Team Sweden right out of the gate. So, um, you know, for a prospect, I think the best indica- indicator of how ready a player is or not for the National Hockey League is has he played against men at the highest level or not. And I think junior hockey, college hockey, that's always one thing, but um, playing against men, against experienced guys that have played pro hockey for a decade, that's uh, that's always a different a different thing. And if you can compete, and produce and, and hold your own at that level, I think that's that's always the best sign for a player to take that step towards the National Hockey League. So, again, great opportunity to showcase yourself. Uh, and um, I'm sure um, the scouts have, you know, picked a couple of players that they thought maybe fared better than others against men at that stage. And Nico, I wanted to thank you uh, so much for your time. Uh, just uh, winding up here, just a couple questions about the Sharks, you know, looking forward to next season. Um, there are obviously a lot of rumors right now about, you know, Eric Carlson possibly being traded. And I just wonder just your own personal approach to something like that. You know, is the prospect of something like that a bit, I don't know, a downer just because it's going to make it harder probably to win right. games possibly? Or do you look at it more as... Uh, you know, next man up. The team just has to come together more. I look at it as, first of all, I have zero control over the whole situation. <laughs> so I'm uh, just as much in the passenger seat as you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I understand the business side of things. I understand where we're trying to go as an organization. And I understand that sometimes there are steps that are necessary that might hurt in the short term. I also understand that Carl wants to win right now mm-hmm. and he wants to have a chance to compete for a cup and deservingly so. He's done uh, great things in his league and he's. I think he's deserving of that opportunity. That being said, of course, if your best player leaves the team, it's hard to imagine that we're going to be better off next season than we were the season prior, if you're a guy that puts up 100 points, leaves you, right? Right. That, that being said, it might be the case. It might not be the case. We have to find a way to move move forward as an organization next year and take a step towards the playoffs, um, try to find a way to be in the hunt for a playoff spot longer than we were last year. And whether that's with Carl or without him, I certainly love having him on the team. I won't be mad if he's there again. Um, <laughs> so... It's out of out of my control, out of your control. Um, I put my trust in in uh, our management and, and Greerzy that they have a plan to put this organization in a better position over the long term. 
Um, that's why I signed uh, here for three years. And um, whether that's with uh, Carl or without him, we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. come uh, probably around the draft time. I'm sure we'll have a better idea. And you know, here's another. Uh, uh, I'm not a GM answer for, or something you can answer with that, <laughs> with that answer. But um, I'm just curious, though, just uh, with this this Sharks team, your evaluation, just because you you are on the inside of it, obviously. Um, and you've talked about just like winning teams, like everybody kind of knows their job, kind of. And yeah. so I guess my question is like, what type of play players? I'm not asking about specific players. You know, I'm not I'm not asking to tamper here or anything. But what type of players do you think the Sharks need more of to just be more competitive and win more games? You know, is there a type? Uh, you know, you knowing the team's strengths and weaknesses as you do. Well, I think um, that's a little far fetched, but ultimately, I think the uh, you need sort of a game, you know, like a guy that can put the team on his, on his back at any mm. given moment. Like we had that in Colorado with, uh, with Kale and Mac, obviously. Um, that being said, I know those guys aren't very easy to, <laughs> easy to find. And, <laughs> and I think even, even if you draft in the first, uh, in the first, you know, five, six, seven picks, it's not a guarantee that a player is going to turn into a Kale McCarr or, or Nathan McKinnon. Um, I think, um, Ultimately, you do need those guys, though. Um, I think if the tournament that I just played had, has shown me one thing is that um, at least over the, the short run, the team can compensate for that by coming together and playing a team-structured game. Our ros- roster certainly wasn't probably favored to, to win a medal at that tournament, and we found a way anyways to win and compete against all the teams that on paper were better than us. I know that's going to be harder over an 82 game season than a 10 or 12 game tournament. Um, But even in the games that we didn't win, we were competitive. And I actually thought for the most part, we did that last year with our group. Mm -hmm. I think we fell off a little bit in the second half of the year. Um, Certainly towards the trade deadline and after I didn't think we were, that competitive of a group anymore, to be honest with you. So, again, whether that's – I don't know what the group is, group is going to look like. we got to find a way to be a team that nobody wants to play against and um, stay in games and in the playoff picture longer than we were last year. And um, we'll see what the group look for, looks like. But I think that's certainly possible without star players. Um, ultimately, if you look – and that's very far ahead at winning a cup. You do need those type of players. So I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm convinced of that. And I think, um, I know we're, we're running short on time here a little bit. We just want to get uh, a final answer. How's the rest of your summer looking? Do you have any specific plans before we get out of here? Uh, no, I just um, took two weeks, um, kind of when I was on vacation. In the, the Eating dessert. Yeah, Eating dessert. With, my, uh, with my girlfriend <laughs> and my two best buddies. And I kind of do some light workouts while I'm on vacation. Um, but now I just, uh, I'm going to finish my first full week of workouts tomorrow. So I got the first uh, week under my belt again and, and getting after it pretty hard. Um, and then um, staying off the ice a little while longer, doing off ice stuff. Uh, mostly I think that's where the biggest gains are at for me right now because I stayed on the ice for so long and I played pretty much till the end of May. I can stay off the ice a little while longer. 
um, doing my shooting and my stick handling off the ice and my my heavy lifting right now. Um, trying to get some explosiveness back is something that suffers usually throughout the year. And then I think towards uh, the uh, the end of July, um, I'm gonna you know ramp up the skating again and um, and uh, you know the uh, the off ice workouts and the heavy lifting. The off ice conditioning is gonna make ways for the on ice conditioning. Um, and I'm going to stick around here in Germany probably until um, first we go August and then uh, head back to the U.S. and um, wrap up my summer there with my skating coach and work out there for another three or four weeks like I have been doing the last couple of weeks, kind of, a, kind of a boot camp before the season starts. And that's usually been very good for me. So that's my plan, Germany for another month and a half and then wrap up the summer in, in uh, Minnesota. Awesome. Well, Nico, uh, thank you uh, so much uh, for your time and um, good luck with uh, all the workouts and stuff. Congratulations again on the silver medal and I'll see you in uh, September in San Jose. Sounds good. See you soon, guys. Take it easy.